I'm Mary McGovern, and I am so pleased to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Uh, our greeter today, if you haven't had the pleasure of talking to him already, is John Rio Frio. Our other worship leaders today are Ben Thacker Gwaltney, our Director of Religious Education, Austin Peterson, and our pianist, Paulette Armory. If you're on Zoom, at this time, you might want to change to speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever's speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. Uh, if you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to uh, download a copy. I know there were some website um, irregularities this morning, but hopefully that's up and running again. Um, you can find the link right next to the Zoom and YouTube links. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you like, and anything you'd like us to know about you. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, we also invite you to fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org right underneath the link to download the order of service. So we've got it all there for you so that we can connect with you later. And at the end of the service, you'll be welcome to join into a small group conversation for new folks. We're really, really glad you're here. We're also going to have other breakout groups right after the service for anyone who wants to talk about the sermon. And they will be facilitated and everyone is welcome to participate. Sweet sound that calls a young sailor. 
you, Paulette. Again, welcome. We're happy that you've joined us via live stream, audio, or video or Zoom. Whether you've come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen. Even if we cannot see each other physically in the same room right now. If you're a visitor, we offer you a special welcome today and a warm thank you for joining us online. Now, I invite everyone to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across distance. The words are pasted in the Zoom chat. So let's say them in unison together. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. So come, um, whenever you, you are, are whenever you are, whenever you're at your presence, presence again, all are worthy, and all are welcome. And now, our opening hymn, Come and Go With Me. Call to worship today comes from the writer Starhawk. We are all longing to go home to some place we have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned. We can only catch glimpses of from time to time, 
community. Somewhere there are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere a circle of hands will open to receive us. Eyes will light up as we enter. Voices will celebrate us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold us when we falter. A circle of healing, a circle of friends. Someplace where we can be free. This morning, let this be that space. Now, Please join me in saying the words to light our chalice as we highlight Linda Lane Hamilton today. If you have a chalice or a candle nearby, please go ahead and light it now. And again, we'll unmute you and say the words in unison. Light this chalice for the one. Love, the light of truth, for the energy of action, and for the harmony of peace, peace in our hearts, peace in our world. Good morning, everybody. I have a story for you today about a tree. I just um, pasted a coloring book page into the chat. So if you feel like you would like to download that and maybe color on your iPad or print out a page and color on that, you are most encouraged to do so. This story is called Sustaining the Tree of Life by Lynn Gardner. The tree stood in the middle of the village. Its trunk was so large that it took six people holding their hands wide to reach all the way around it and hold hands. The roots were strong and wide and its branches spread out all over the village square, offering shelter from the rain or shade from the summer sun. Its fruit was juicy, sweet, and plentiful. The people of the village loved the tree. The children played beneath it, climbed its lowest branches. Young people knew that if you whispered your dreams to the tree, they were more likely to come true. People who proclaimed their love or friendship to one another beneath its branches found that their relationships were more nourishing. The elders discovered that their sweetest memories could be counted on when they were near the great tree. The tree had been witness to so much, and when the breezes blew through the leaves, one could hear echoes of the generations, laughter, conversations, dreams, prayers, songs. Animals loved the tree too. Rabbits lived in burrows under the roots, Squirrels and monkeys lived in the branches, and bats and birds flew in to eat the abundant fruit. The tree seemed to just buzz with life. 
One day, a traveling merchant arrived in the village. He rested in the shade and ate two pieces of the delicious fruit. This fruit is incredible, he said. I would like to have some to sell. I'm going to take it to the next village that I visit. Who owns this tree? No one owns this tree, replied a villager. If anything, we belong to the tree. Well then, if no one owns the tree, then no one will mind if I pick the fruit, said the merchant. And he began to fill a basket. I mind, said the villager, and today I am the keeper of the tree. Well, what do you mean, keeper of the tree? We each take our turn being here with the tree. No one could ever own it. We are here as protectors, as sustainers. Well, that's ridiculous. This tree doesn't need you. You can just take what you need, take what you want. The tree will continue. It doesn't know. But the villager could not be persuaded. Sir, trees aren't like that. We don't just come here to take from it, even though we receive much. We are keepers of the tree because this is where we are nourished. This is where some of our most precious memories are and where our people have dreamed. This is where we remember who we want to become. Well, said the merchant, you may think this tree is very special, but still, you don't need to sit with it. That's just preposterous. Ah, said the villager, the tree may not need me, but what of others who come by? Just this morning, I sat with a woman whose heart was heavy with worry. Had I not been there, she would have had to carry that weight all alone. And this afternoon, a tired couple came by and they rested with me. They said they had been looking for a place just like this to rest. And then an elder came by and we watched the birds and the branches together. And now you are here. You were confused about what a tree is and how to be with it. Imagine if you had arrived and not found anyone here to talk with you. You might have continued thinking that everything is all about you. Luckily for you, my friend, I'm here to let you know that when you care for the tree of life, it becomes so much more than just about you. And the merchant sat for a while in the shade, thinking about these new ideas, and felt that it was a little challenging. As the sun went down, he picked up his bag and headed out of town. He was whistling a song that he hadn't thought of in years. On his way, he shared a smile with each person that he met, his heart feeling strangely light and joyful. And the people of the village? They continued to sustain the tree of life, to take care of one another, and to share their gifts with grace and with gratitude. May it be so for each of us. Blessed be. Now we invite you to a moment of meditation, reflection, and prayer. On this day, we hold much in our hearts. There's much that has weighed on us. Uncertainty about the future, fears for loved ones, for ourselves, for our community, for our world. 
maybe anger and sadness, the loss of some dreams. And yet in this moment, may we remember and celebrate that which remains, all the new possibilities that are coming into being, all that lifts us up and refreshes the joy in our heart. May you be brave enough to expose your aching woundedness and reveal your vulnerability. May you speak your deepest truths knowing that they will change as you do. May you sing the music within you, composing your own melody, playing your song with all your heart. May you draw, paint, sculpt, and sew, showing the world your vision. May you love even though your heart breaks again and again. And until the end of your days, may you be filled with possibilities and courage. May it be so. Today, especially, we think of Teresa Gray, who is having surgery on Monday to repair an aortic abdominal aneurysm. She expects everything to go fine, but would very much appreciate prayers and positive intentions and good energy from the congregation. Our hearts also go out to Katrina Landon and her family with the news that her nephew Maddox passed away from complications of cancer. Katrina asks that we hold her, her sister, and her niece in prayer. And now I invite you to take a moment and call to mind those who are particularly on your heart. If you're on Zoom, you can type their name in the chat and I'll read them aloud to the group. Let us reach out in loving presence to draw this circle wide. And now holding all these loved ones and cares and joys, I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations for the next few moments. Amen and blessed be.
from my heart. Most folk knew, know I grew up in Eastern North Carolina. I was fortunate enough to have a liberal, believe it or not, Southern Baptist minister in my home church and a Catholic stepfather who understood racial fairness and the worth and dignity of all people. It took me some time to get my bearing on what racial justice is, not just what I needed to do, but who I had it to be, had to be. I probably started to come into my own the last year at Wake Forest College when I began to understand who I am in reference to racial justice. The reality had been before me all my life as written in the motto of the great state of North Carolina, esse quam videre, to be rather than to seem. Here at WU these past weeks, other folk have shared some of their coming into being around racial justice. We have some beautiful trappings around WUU showing some evidence of our congregation working on racial justice. Banners, placards, outreach, we're doing some good things. We have great potential. Personally, some realities from history and today stare me in my face and cause me to question if I'm just doing and not being. We are located on the very land masses where Africans were delivered and enslaved and indigenous people were slaughtered and removed primarily by white folk. Upon these land masses this very day, structural violence per perpetrated by attitudes and behaviors of white supremacy continues to manifest as racism and deny racial justice. I think of examples of structural violence found in education, environment, energy, criminal justice, employment, everywhere, where intentional acts to harm and or disadvantage black and brown folk are in place, from pipelines to redline, from wage theft to evictions, from dropouts to incarceration, from death by cop to polluted water, from Charlottesville to Kenosha, there are racist systems that daily and deadly impact the lives and dignity of black and brown people and deny racial justice. To me, racial justice is the absence of racism. Racism is intentional structural violence. The essence of racism is seeing property instead of people and instigating intentional acts to undermine and destroy human and natural capacity. We talk of systemic racism being prevalent in organization systems, but it's not organizational, it is human. It is a human element that creates racist policies and practices. Racism is within. Racial justice is the absence of racism. It mandates reparations of body, mind, and well-being. It mandates white people end racism now. Racial, racial justice confirms the existential reality of not having any, other, any option other than to be anti-racist and use every breath to affirm the worth and dignity of black and brown folk. May we so be. Thank you. Thank you so much, John, for those powerful words. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in the spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve the world and share our values. If you're joining us for the first time, 
please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence here is gift enough. This week's offering goes to the Minister's Charitable Giving Fund. Your gifts this morning will help people in our congregation and in the larger community who need short-term help paying rent and other essential expenses. With your gifts, you are sheltering homeless families, paying utility bills in the cold of winter and offering hope in times of despair. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. That's 757-500-0688, and then just follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, um, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. And that'll, that's all pasted in the chat. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paulette. 
Our uh, reading today really serves as an introduction to the sermon. Um, don't be too off-put. I've actually recorded the sermon, so um, I look similar, but not exactly like I look right now. It was a few days ago. This um, uh, reading is from a YouTube talk um, called Humanity's Phase Shift. You can find the full talk if you look on YouTube by um, a speaker and author named Daniel Schmachtenberger. And he says this, as long as I think that I am an individual that is fundamentally separate from you and the biosphere and everything else, I can think about optimizing my own quality of life independent of, and maybe even at the expense of, your quality of life or the life of the biosphere. If I look at a tree and say, I'm not that tree, well, what would I be without trees? I would not exist. There would be no atmosphere if there weren't plants and photosynthesis. So I fundamentally am not even a meaningful concept, I, without plants. So if I think of myself as a me that is not interdependent with plants, I'm just not thinking clearly. It's a bad ontology. It's a bad semiotics or a nonsense word construction. So I can then start to run that on other things. And I notice that my life depends on soil, air, water, other humans, and on and on. And soon I realize that my life depends on the whole thing. That really, I can be better thought of as an emergent property of this whole thing. Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, my name's Ben Dacker Gwaltney. If you hadn't picked up on that already, I'm happy to be the guest speaker for the sermon. Uh, one of our sister congregations had a series this summer around healing the earth. And I liked the topic so much that I wanted to share it with you today. And over the next number of minutes, I'm going to talk about how a deep recognition of interdependence is important for our efforts at healing the earth. But first, I have to talk about a few other things. For the next minute or so, I'm going to tell you about myself, but I'm not doing it for the reasons that speakers usually do this. I'll explain when I'm done. I grew up in Smithfield as a United Methodist, just about an hour away from here. <clears throat> Went off to school at William & Mary. And then I got married and moved to Atlanta, where I got a Master's of Divinity degree at Emory University. I worked and I traveled with a number of nonprofits. And then I found myself in Charlottesville working as a community organizer for a group called Virginia Organizing Project. I did that for about 15 years. And now, 
I'm divorced. I have two teenage children, and I live here in Williamsburg with my partner, Vanessa Jones. I've been meditating off and on for 20 years, 10 of them as a Buddhist. We have a Sangha, or a Buddhist fellowship here, that sponsors three or four meditation groups at various times throughout the week, and I've been teaching with them since 2011. So, I didn't go through that condensed life story for the reasons that a speaker will usually do that. I didn't do it to establish my authority as someone who should be talking to you in a sermon because of things I know and you don't. Some of you know more than I, and doubtless would be better at this, but I'm doing my best. I didn't do it to create a connection between you and me so that you would feel some affinity for me and what I'm going to say, because we are already deeply connected, like the backside of the hand is connected to the palm. They never in life will see each other, but one without the other doesn't exist. I didn't do it so that you'd like me. Have you heard of the species of crab that glues pretty things to its shell throughout its life to attract other crabs? <coughs> I'm not doing that here. And finally, I didn't tell you all those things so that I would feel more confident and better able to do a scary thing, like talking to a group of people over the internet. I didn't do that because, in one sense, the me I just described to you doesn't exist at all. And it's better that that is true, because if I can recognize that, I'll suffer less. So you may be asking, what is this guy talking about? I'm starting a talk about interdependence by wiping away something that will get in the way of us directly experiencing our profound connections to life. I'm saying that the self as we usually think of it doesn't exist, and that this being talking to you right now isn't who you think he is based on the self-description he just gave you. Let me say more. In Buddhism, we say that life in this world bears three marks or characteristics. The first is that everything is always changing. Scientifically, we know this to be true. Everything is constantly exchanging molecules with everything else around it on a very small level. And sometimes the chemistry of something changes quickly so that we can see it, such as when a piece of paper catches on fire and turns to ash before our eyes. But we don't have to understand molecules and chemistry to see that every We can look at a moving river or a plant that grows and bears fruit and withers across one summer or the flowing course of our own lives from our birth and childhood all the way through to old age and death. Everything is always changing. That leads to the second mark of existence, 
the human mind is sometimes quite uncomfortable with everything changing around it. We would like to have some control over our lives for our own personal safety if nothing else. But it often doesn't work that way because in fact the world does constantly change and we are regularly caught off balance. This causes us to be dissatisfied with the way things work. It causes us to suffer because things happen to us that we can't control. The second mark of this world, for humans at least, is dissatisfaction, sometimes just referred to as suffering. And the third mark of our existence is selflessness, which takes us back to my self-description at the beginning. The self that I described to you doesn't have any permanent, independent existence. It doesn't exist in itself. Looked at on a quantum level, it's almost imaginary, a name given to a cluster of atoms which function together in a certain way. We can say this being is without a self, that it is selfless. It only exists temporarily, right now, for the purposes of this sermon. It comes into existence along with each one of you here watching and hearing. It has continuity with the configuration that came before, but right now it's changing and when it's done speaking, it will have a whole new mark of experience to incorporate into itself. Preaching on a Zoom worship service. We are all, each one of us, like that. There was a time when this being I call Ben did not exist, and there'll be a time in the future when once again, Ben no longer exists. And most certainly, it will change to something else in the process. The same is true for you and for each one of us. In fact, everything we will ever experience is changing the same way. It is empty of self. There's nothing permanent and independent to be found. One time I was in a group meeting with a Buddhist teacher named Bhante Gunaratana, also known fondly as Bhante G. He's the author of the popular book, Mindfulness in Plain English. A student asked him if she looked inside, would she find a soul? And he replied, that is the one and only thing you will not see. He was pointing to this teaching that if we look for something unchanging and independent inside us, we will not find it. But if we're empty of aloneness, then when we look inside, what will we, what will we see? Togetherness. We may be empty of a self, but we're full of everything else. We're full of the natural world, which literally makes the existence of any life possible. We're full of breath, 
which we exchange continually and which has been breathed by millions and millions of beings since life began on earth. We're full of the thoughts and emotions and beliefs of all the humans who've ever been. And we are constructed by the evolving DNA of all our ancestors. Only 20 generations back, we would find one individual ancestor shared by every living human currently on Earth. 20 generations. I hope that knowledge helps you feel directly your inescapable connection to everything around you. So now let's talk about what happens when we forget or we don't see that connection. Okay, let's say you have a pet and you think that the pet is a fish. You would provide a certain environment in which the fish could live. You would keep the fish in the water. You would feed it food that a fish needs to eat. You would do what you needed to do to keep the fish happy and healthy. But let's just say you are wrong and the pet that you think is a fish is actually a bear. Would the things you do to make a fish happy also make a bear happy? I think that if I treated my pet bear like a fish, then either I or the bear or both of us would become unhappy very quickly. So the same thing happens to us in the world. What if we think we are one thing, a being that can live separately and independently from the world around us, but we're actually beings that are entirely interdependent with that world? Then the actions that we take to make ourselves happy will instead make us unhappy. We'll make mistakes and we'll regular, regularly harm ourselves and others. It's like keeping a pet bear in a fishbowl. Here's an example from real life. Let's say that I own a small business and I have 25 employees. I know that if I pay my employees $9.50 an hour, I'll make a certain amount of profit. Let's say it's enough profit that after a few years of saving, I can buy a larger house in a prettier neighborhood. Good for me. It's nice to have a lot of space, quiet neighbors, and nice buildings to look at. But what if instead I don't just look at what I as the owner can get out of this business? Instead, I look at the business as a shared project where every employee makes an important contribution to the shared success. So I pay my employees $12.50 an hour instead. I don't have the extra profit in a few years to move to my big house. But that extra $3 an hour allows good things to happen in the lives of all my employees. They are happier. We all enjoy working together and we feel like we all have a stake in the community's success because the business has become just that, a community. In evolutionary terms, 
human beings don't have a lot of advantages. We aren't that strong compared to other animals, we aren't that fast, and our bodies have a hard time withstanding difficult conditions of climate. But there is one thing we are very good at, which is cooperation. Humans have come to the dominant role in our ecosystems, for better or for worse, by our amazingly effective cultural structures that give us advantages far beyond big teeth or heavy fur. But our cooperation has limits. It seems that human culture tends to create in-groups and out-groups and then favor the one over the other. Social psychology calls this in-group bias. We take observable differences, we coalesce around groups of others like us, and then we actively exclude those not like us. We collect advantages for those within our group, and we compete with those in the out-group taking their resources when possible. In many branches of Buddhism, the primary strategy for realizing awakening is to retrain the mind through meditation and contemplation to widen and broaden this in-group. In fact, we work not only to include all humans in our circle of care, we try to extend the empathy and connection reserved for members of our in-group to the whole universe. The truth of interdependence makes this training of the mind so much easier. Once you begin looking, it's quite obvious that everything I do affects everything that you do, even my bitter enemies have an influence on me and make me who I am. If I define myself over and against another group, then I oppose whatever they do. They oppose whatever I do. Their behavior defines mine and vice versa, even if it's only in opposition. It's like this. Could you know up without the contrast of down? conservative without the contrast of liberal? Would I have any idea that I was something called white unless our ancestors had created this human category called black for exactly the reasons that I described earlier? These dyads arise and they pass away together. Even in our supposed difference, we are interdependent. We really are in this together. Our in-group, out-group selfishness actually does deep harm to our society because it's a fundamental misunderstanding. There's a simple practice I've begun late in life which really helps. I try hard to notice when I'm allowing myself to hate someone else. Usually they're my political opponents, but others can also fall into my hatred. 
And instead, I imagine myself expanding my in-group, my circle of care and concern. It doesn't matter if they reciprocate or not. It doesn't matter if they agree with me or not. I imagine myself wanting the best for them, whatever it may be. I imagine their flourishing alongside my own. And it's far beyond time for us to take up practices like this for the whole natural world. Folks, we have squeezed every inch of this world ecosystem that we can reach in order to make ourselves happy as strong, independent individuals, and it's killing us. We have fundamentally misunderstood who we are. I cannot burn all the oil I want to make myself happy. I cannot pour all my waste into the water around me and expect it to remain clean and drinkable. I cannot extract resources from the earth in huge amounts and expect its ecosystems to continue to function. These are the ecosystems that keep each one of us alive. And as they die, we also die. We must start remembering this. We continue to think we can make ourselves happy by acting selfishly, and we can't. It's a misunderstanding of our basic interdependent nature, and it doesn't work. We're all in this together, selfless, empty of independent existence. And when we remember that we are, without exception or escape, interdependent with one another, it becomes easier to act selflessly with kindness and compassion towards all beings. And now we'll finish with our closing song from Paulette, May We Be Filled With Loving Kindness.
Thank you, Paulette. Thank you all for being with us today. And now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. And we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We'll paste the words in the Zoom chat. And again, we'll do this all in unison. We extinguish this flame. At the light of truth, warmth and community, with a fire of we are together again. Now, if you'd raise your hands when we were physically together, we would join our hands, and now we can do so in our imagination. First, the closing words from my own Buddhist tradition by this merit, may all beings find awakening. And then the benediction, may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be peaceful. Amen and blessed be.